Welcome everyone to the 209 Journey Podcast. I am your host, Luis Urbano. And before I get started with today's episode, I do want to remind everyone, if you have not yet followed the podcast on social media, you can find it at the 209 Journey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, I have now created a YouTube channel for the podcast. You can simply find it under the 209 Journey Podcast. I'm going to be actually uploading every single episode of the podcast on there from episode one all the way to the current episode. So that way, if anyone doesn't want to download an app to listen to the show, or maybe this is the last month that you're paying for one of those apps, no problem. You're going to be able to actually listen to it on YouTube as well. In addition to that, I'm also going to be uploading videos around the 209 in the future. So please hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. It would mean a lot. And also when I do live shows on there, you'll also be able to be notified when those happen as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with episode 23 of the 209 Journey podcast. So on the show tonight is Mida Goodwin. He was actually born in Southern California and he moved to Modesto in 1982. Since then, he's also lived in Stockton and he moved back to Modesto in 2013. And he's done a lot of things here in the Valley. One of those things which I'll be talking to him about is a radio program called This Is Ska. So it'll be really interesting to learn more about it because it actually started in 2020. And to this day, he has over 64,000 followers on Facebook. And not only that, but... In addition to actually having that show stream locally, it's actually streaming across the world. And some of those countries in which he's streaming to are Mexico, the UK, Canada, France, Spain, and a couple others as well. So amazing thing going on there. And, you know, stream originating here in Modesto. So we're going uh, worldwide right here. In addition to this is Scott on 95.5. He also does the Modesto area music radio and also is an entertainment booker slash promoter at Beat Happy Music, which is actually a PR agency that books shows throughout the 209, and they've been doing it for nearly 30 years, so um, quite some time uh, around the area. He's also the co-owner of Modesto's Graffiti Con, and it is actually a comic and car show that happens every year, and he also helps organize May the 4th Be With You, which is our annual Star Wars celebration here in Modesto. So welcome to the 209 Journey, Mida. How's it going? Going well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, thank you for hopping on. Uh, there's lots to talk about. You've done so many great things here for the area, and I'm really excited to hear more about how things got started and whatnot. So let's go ahead and first get started, though, uh, by you know you telling me a little bit more about how it was for you to move to Modesto back in the 80s and just how much it's changed throughout time. All right. Yeah, I, I moved into to Modesto in uh, 1982, uh, right before my sophomore year in high school from Southern California. So it was a bit of a culture shock. Uh, I remember my my brother, as we approached Modesto, made a comment about it having only eight exits. And what kind of hit count is that? It only has eight exits. Good thing we we're coming north because at that time there was only seven exits going south. So, you know, we had that extra, you know, oomph for Modesto. but. Uh, uh, went to Downey, graduated from Downey. Uh, back in the 80s, it, you know, it, it was different, de- definitely a, a little bit more rural. 
in a lot of ways. There was, you know, things going on and, and there was bands playing and whatnot. And so I kind of tapped into that as much as possible. And as we'll get into it further, part of my foray into doing music and booking music was I had friends who were in bands from other areas. And to get them to come to Modesto, I had to book them shows. So I enjoyed the time. Like most people, some some of my best friends from for life, I still have from those three years at high school and a couple years at uh, MJC, all there, you know, between 82 and 87. And then I did uh, take some uh, radio classes out at uh, KCSS, did radio out there at, at the Stanislaus State Campus radio station for a few years and then moved away, came back to Modesto and did it a few more years and then moved to Stockton. So I did spend a good decade in Stockton as well. Uh, but still in the 209, we'll do do things in Modesto as I, I was up there and then booked a lot of bands from Modesto at events that I was doing in Stockton. So and, and Manteca as well, Sonora, Tracy, surrounding area. Oh, that's really awesome. I'm glad that, you know, you, you had all kinds of different bands around. Have you seen like a shift in like music or what, what have you noticed from like back then to now, like maybe more bands starting out? I think I think at all times there's probably, you know, a good amount of bands that are out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of bands that don't get to play live. So back in high school, I, I played in a couple of bands in high school that never played a live show. Uh, just there was not the locations to play. Much like now, post pandemic, there's not a ton of stuff going on. I mean, there's things out there. Most of them are at restaurants or cafes. There's no solid all ages or 21 and over venue in Modesto that does original m music. It is starting to shift. I know Rancho Fresco has a couple shows coming up. They have Reverend Horton Heat on the 22nd of this month, but it's still, it's going to take a little while. And I think we need a, at least a solid uh, all ages venue so that the youth bands, which is what repopulates and refurbishes and reignites and invigorates any scene. If you don't have that next generation of, of music lovers, especially live music lovers. Uh, other thing was back then, up until, you know, really the early 2000s, you went to a concert, you went to a, a, an event on the weekend to hook up with your friends from your school or other schools. You didn't go online. You, you didn't chat on a video game or a Twitch feed or any of that. It was live and in person and nobody had cell phones. Most people you had the one phone in the house. So it's like you wanted to do something, especially if you wanted to go out and party and have fun outside of the parental guidance. You went to an event, found out where those parties were. Oh, yeah. And okay. that definitely has shifted. Everybody has a cell phone. Everybody's online. Everybody is uh, good, bad, or indifference or on one form of social media or another. And uh, in a lot of ways, it's created a worldwide collective, but in a lot of ways that that social media has pushed people apart where they're not actually interacting in person. Oh yeah. There's definitely a lot of like pros and cons with that. And yeah, I mean, there's definitely a shift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Pokemon go game, I thought that was great because it got people out of the houses, but I would see people, uh, the first year that I did a con was, uh, uh, I can't remember. It was about seven years ago, eight years ago and Pokemon go had just hit hmm. and we got, the center plaza we we hit where you could go and, and do like little training centers there we tagged it and so people were going around to different vendors and they as they're walking around but i saw so many people out but they're not interacting with each other they're all out walking together so it's kind of like zombies in a way 
but it's like, okay, at least they're not in their home. They're getting fresh air. They're getting exercise, but it's kind of odd to see them because they're all face down on their phone. Yeah. I, I recall when that came out too, and I was actually pretty happy on that side. Right. I was like, okay, great. You're all out. And th their biggest mistake as to why that game kind of had a like low shift is because they, they didn't actually add that functionality to be able to battle others yeah. and they did that a little bit later on but now the numbers aren't as high as they were before and if they would have yeah. done that at the beginning yeah you would have had a lot of like you know going back and forth maybe some like friendly trash talk amongst yeah. people right there but it, they they really missed the ball on that one because they it could have still been a, a big thing to this day but yeah yeah but you're right they got people yeah. out and uh, people and, actually getting some yeah, sun. For, for a couple of years or a year and a half or whatever it was, as, as they, they do updates or, or release new stuff. Yeah, you seem to have that uh, uh, surges. But yeah, definitely, definitely was odd. And, you know, like I said, good and bad, good and bad with anything. So I, I know you were talking about earlier and uh, about bands not being able to really have that many venues, right? Maybe having more limitations and uh, just on that note, I actually want to talk a little bit more about Beat Happy Music and uh -huh. kind of what, what you do for them because you're also booking shows throughout the 209. Like, tell me more about like what you do and kind of how it got started. Uh, well, like like I said initially, and it's gone through names. You know, uh, when I the first started booking shows, I called it Saint Christopher Production, also Poison Free Production. Uh, and at one point, I was putting out some records for other bands and did some compilations, and you know, called the label Beat Happy Music. And then I was like, well, I should just consolidate instead of having this thing here and this thing there. They'll all be beat happy music. And for a while there, uh, definitely pre-pandemic, I was doing a couple hundred shows a year throughout the Valley. Big and small, most of, you know, most of them mid-size, but it was fun. A lot of touring bands. I've literally booked bands from A to Z, Aquabats to the Zillionaires, and every letter in between. I don't know several thousand bands probably over the last 30 years. Uh, now, you know, it's every few months or so I will book a touring band that needs something, uh, usually on an off night. So coming up on March 5th, there's a band from Seattle that's coming through, a ska band. And so they're going to play Ralston's Goat. December, I had a band from New Jersey called Joker's Republic come through. A few, few months before that, there was Hounds Group and the Die Hards from Texas. And a few months before that, there was the Coffin Cats from Detroit. So now it's bands that I know that they need a show and I'm helping them out. At some point, I'll probably do a few bigger events where it's planned out and, and all that. But never, I don't think I'll ever get back to doing one or two or more venues where I'm booking everything up to seven days a week. You know, that's a lot of work. And, you know, at this point in my life, I can do the radio to help promote. I can do. So I got, as, as we mentioned earlier, Modesto Area Music, which pays homage to the Modestaria Music Awards. And then this is Scott, both on KCBP, which is our local community radio station at 95.5 here in Modesto and the surrounding area. And then this is Scott actually airs on about three dozen stations around the world. So right now that's kind of where I'm putting my additional time in to do something to promote music without getting paid for it. <laughs> but also uh, there's the music in the plaza. I booked that. And so that's an easy one because it's a annual event. It's 26 dates or so, about a half a year, but it's, it's every Friday. But that's once it gets booked, it's I don't have to be there. I don't have to set up sound. I don't have to do a lot of the day to day stuff to make it happen. It 
pretty much goes on autopilot once it gets going. It's just promoting it, letting people know it's happening. Of course, there's May the 4th as well, the Star Wars Day that lands on May the 4th. That's the day we're doing it. It's like Halloween or Christmas. It's not, hey, it's St. Patrick's Day, but it's that Saturday or Friday before. No, the closest Friday or Saturday. No, it's on the day. And that's, you know, really kind of that thing. And that one, I've had people say, hey, how can we monetize this? And I'm like, no, it's a free event. You know, the only way, and we've done it in the past where we've gotten donations. So like the local restaurants and, and establishments will give 10% of whatever they make in that time frame to a children's charity. We'll put, you know, the tip jars out and that'll go to the children's charity. Because that's, you know, it's really, we're all kids at heart when it comes to those kind of things, the geeky stuff. And it's better to take whatever, which is not going to be life-changing for one person or a few people involved in it, but it could bring much-needed help to somebody else. So that's that. Uh, We mentioned Graffiti Con, that event every year, whatever I would make off of it as uh, my part. I give it to charity. So I've given it to music scholarships. I've given it to the graffiti museum last year. My, my goal is to use that uh, over the years. We've done stuff for uh, make a wish, the pups and pals. So I'm blanking the name, but you know, veterans charities. So those that need it more than we do. And I think that's an important thing that sometimes get lost when people do events. I want to have fun doing it and not having to worry at the end of the day, was it a financial was it a financial drain or or, or gain? It's hey, if, if people are smiling and having fun, and I can donate something, you know, even a few hundred bucks, I'm happy. And for the amount of work I put into it, if I'm making what I'm giving away, I'd probably go, man, this is not worth my time. I can go do something else to make that kind of money. So that's pretty much it. Been when it comes to entertainment aspects of, of doing things it's always for somebody else and it's always a charitable thing at, or like with the bands are coming through i'm not asking for anything from it is whatever money comes in goes to that oh that's good yeah i mean we, we need more people like you that you know can, can do things like that well i want to go back uh, to this is scott because i find it really amazing that you know not only did you start basically around the time that the pandemic was like you know getting started things were like shutting down and whatnot but in just like two years, almost like three years, you've grown it to where now they're playing the show in just a lot other countries. And you have like 64,000 followers on Facebook as well. So just walk me through like how it was for you to start the program and just how the show's grown so much in such a little time. Uh, well, I'd already been doing probably about six months of the Modesto Area Music Show on KCBP. And I'd pitched it a few times. And they kind of were like, well, let's see, let's see. So I just recorded a show and sent it over to the program director at the time and said, hey, this is this is Scott's show. Give it a listen. Let me know if there's things you like, don't like, you know, uh, if you're interested in it, because I'd like to do this. You know, And I go, I don't care if it goes on at two in the morning. I just like to, to do the show. And the response back was, oh, this is great. Uh, we'll put it on Tuesday at nine o'clock and then we'll re-air it on uh saturday at 11 p.m and like, okay fine that's great so they played that first one that he sent over which was my you know scratch reel my you know <laughs> just kind of a demo and then in the following weekend or the following tuesday i was supposed to go into the studio and 
start the show. That Monday, before I was supposed to go into the studio and start going live, California was locked down. So, and I knew that was happening, but of course, none of us knew how long it was going to be. So that, you know, what was that, Friday or Thursday, the week before, they were like, hey, next week on Monday, if you're not an essential uh, uh, entity, whatever, you can't do this. So then it was like, okay, I got to figure out how to do all this from home. Uh, the good thing was I had a friend who had a home studio and he kind of taught me a few things. He has a show. He actually got his show on around the same time called Freak Radio, Christian Boyette. And so we recorded about five or six episodes in a day at his place so I could send them in and have that. And then for the next month, I just kind of went into some different programs and figured out how to do it all myself from home. And the good thing was we were in a pandemic. So what else was I doing? You know, we were all sheltered in place. So I started that. It was a, a hour episode every week at that point. And in January 2020, so about nine months later, I was like, I'm recording this and I have it and I'm shipping it, to, you know, uploading. It's all remote. Why couldn't I see about getting it on other stations? You know, quote unquote syndication. And once again, I'm not looking to get paid for this. So that made it a little easier to get it on a lot of community stations and internet stations that need programming, but don't have a budget. So I just started reaching out. And at first there was like, you know, two or three extra ones. And then it got up to about 40, 45 at one point within about nine months a year. Some of those fell apart, you know, fell away. One closed down, one decided once the, the restrictions were going away and they could go live. They wanted me to go live or give up my spot. And that was going to be 3 a.m. our time. It was a station out in New York. Ooh. I'm like, no. Yeah, you want to play it at 2 or 3 in the morning out there? You know, whenever you want to play it, fine. But I, I'm not waking up in the middle of the night to go live, you know. So the ones that were fine with it being pre-recorded and sent out, I just kept sending it to. And recently I added another uh, few. There's a Blackpool Radio in UK. That just got added, another one in the UK, one in New Hampshire. So it was like uh, US, UK, Ireland, Canada, Mexico, France, Spain, Belgium, and the Philippines. At one point for about six months, I was also in New Zealand. And that was a community radio station. And some of their DJs, came, you know, after the pandemic was over, uh, or they could, you know, they were no longer sheltering place. They came back into the studio and they needed that time spot for them. And I totally understood that. Would I like to be on there? Sure, it'd be fun. And it's it's nice to be able to say, hey, I'm on these. But, you know, being a, a, most of these stations also are streaming, you know, I have people all around the world that I get interaction with. And as you said, the other side was uh, with the social media, with Facebook. Now it's, you know, in less than three years at 64, I'm hoping to be at 75,000 by three years. That's my, 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 you know, dream goal. Now that it's at 64, almost 60, you know, going on 65, like, let's, let's see if we can hit 75 by uh, March 22nd. If it happens, fine. If it doesn't, I'm okay with that too, because honestly, I was thrilled when I had 500, you know, followers on Facebook and, you know, to, to look at it now at this point, I, I, I posted it and my, my comment was, you know, if I didn't toot, toot my own horn, would it be, would it even be ska to, to, you know, because uh, most ska bands have horn players. It was about a million four reach this last month at 7,000 uh, new followers in the last 28 days, had over 
250,000 interactions. You know, you just go to start going down the line of, of all these different things, how many people clicked on, on a picture or commented or, you know, and it's just like amazing. I'm just like, I was happy when I go, oh, I got 15, you know, emojis, likes and whatnot. <laughs> hey, I got a few shares. You know, it's like people seem to be interacting. So there are those times where it's 30, 40 people and I'm fine with that. But then there's other times where it's 15,000 shares. I'm like, okay. So, uh, and that was just sharing things that I found interesting uh sharing music sharing photos sharing history about the music which goes back to the late 50s early 60s and you know and continues on so hey it today was uh Roland Alfonso who was one of the original saxophonists for the Scottalites which was the originators of the music they did played on most of the backing tracks for all the early Jamaican recordings so you know he passed away several years back but it was like hey let's remember him let's honor him on his birthday you know don letts who was a videographer and a musician in england his birthday was a few days ago and so i shared that then there's other ones where it's just some kid who who plays ska on a band but i know his birthday i'll share it it may only get 15 20 likes but that kid's like ecstatic that band if they're a, a newbie a, a baby band like wow we got you know we got shared so it's like it means something to them. or some of these bands being able to tune in on and listen to themselves on a radio show. And that's much like with the mama show. I, I love it when I'm able to play a youth band's original material or recording they've done. Cause, and I always tell the parents when I do that, it's like, get them in the car, turn on the station. Cause it's much different hearing it out of a, the radio in the car than hearing it on your phone or hearing it on your computer, you know, because, and don't even tell them, like, just cause that, you know, parents will usually send me the music and they, they get in the car and they're all excited and they hear it. You're like, wait, wait a minute. But the same thing with, with bands. I had one one guy say that the other than the birth of his child, the greatest thing was hearing his music played on a radio station. So those little things mean a lot more to other people. So, so that's a big part of it. Now that you brought up the Modestera Music Radio, uh, tell me more about like how long that's been going for and just how, how it got started. Originally, I, I approached the station a few times. They had a, a sign up online. But they were kind of, when I first approached them, they were going from being an internet station to a broadcast station. So it took a little longer for me to get in there. And then I went to their run opening, their live, first live broadcast on the station as a representative of the Modesto View. And took some pictures, talked to them, talked on air a little bit. And then I talked to, it was near the time of the Modesto Area Music Awards. So I, we talked about that a little bit, my little segment. And the music director who also had a show was like, hey, we should do a show about the Mamas because it was the 20th anniversary of the Mamas at that time as well. And I was like, oh, great. So I went in the studio, recorded it with them, you know, some, you know, sent some music go for some different bands. And while we were talking, I was like, you know, it'd be great to, you know, reach out before, but I'd love to do a show. And I was like, what's, what's your pitch? Record something, send it in, you know, and we'll see if, if it works. So same thing. I went to my friend's house. We recorded the show. I sent it to them. And they're like, oh, this is great. Let's do it. And that was pretty much that one. And that was late October 2019, I think. So, you know, about six months, seven months before the pandemic. And uh, then, like I said, in that time, I was doing the show, helping out with uh, promotion and advertisement for the station. And then pitched the This Is Cause show. And we also pitched Rink Radio for my friend. Those are both on the air now and been, you know, continuing on 
But yeah, I think the big thing was I've had a great opportunity to give bands that feeling on the air, you know, because I've known so many bands where they've all, all said that first time they heard themselves on the radio, how much it meant to them. And then, like I said, once the pandemic hit, that was how you were able to promote things. That's how you were able to to share the music with, with the masses because I couldn't book shows. They couldn't play shows. So it was like this was the safe, you know, this was social distancing at its at, at its finest, you know. Yes, it's something good that came out of it too, right? Bringing people more back to radio and uh, it's it's good, right? Because yeah, I, I agree. There's no other better feeling than even just hearing your name, right? Even if yes. you were hearing music, just hearing like a, a DJ on the radio mentioned giving you a shout out. I mean, that's that's yes. something else. I mean, that you can't beat that even if you do an online show, right? It's like true. Not the same well, and as, as you said, you know, the, the other side was, and I've seen it not just in, you know, pretty much across the board was the number of podcasts that have popped up over the year. And, you know, I've said it before that if if you're going to be living in a time, this was probably the best time to live it during a pandemic because technology had gotten to the point where we can do this, you know, do a, a Zoom call and record, a, a you know, something live, which you couldn't have done before. And, you know, it's you can take the audio and do it as an audio podcast or a video one. So there's that. I've done a few of those myself. Uh, back in the old days when I did college radio, you had to have the phone line there, had it hooked up and, you know, patched through so you could talk to somebody when they called in. It was a lot of, you know, technical and you, things went wrong. So it's kind of neat that this technology is here. And once again, just like YouTube or, in, you know, you know, iTunes or Spotify, the, the world can be your audience. Now, not, you, you know, if you don't have the, the name or the money to get your name out to everybody, not having something that's already has a platform of its own, which is one thing I like about being able to get on some of these other radio stations is they already have a built-in audience. So, of course, they like the fact that, for the most part, I'm probably their biggest social media guy. You know, I have the most, more likes than most of them have on their station, let alone any of the individual DJs. But, you know, my thing is, hey, then it's the rising waters, you know, what rising uh, tides raises all boats. So it's like, I have no problem giving shout outs to those stations and those, the other DJs that brings them up because in turn, when they give me a shout out, even if it's five people to my 500 people that may like theirs, I'm coming up some. So it may not be as quick, but it's like everybody is still rising. And that's a big part. And that's a lot with the, the musicians and the bands when I, tag them in the, the the show they will share it and some of those people who see oh uh, our friend's band is on this radio show and they may like my page but at a certain point the return is not as high for me but it's it's still coming back and the the numbers are hey there's 60 bands on the show and if every one of them shares it and i got one that's in t- terms where if they all get 60 i'm still getting those numbers and growth but it's from a larger pool. And I understand that, you know, that dynamic of, of uh, return and that's fine. And that's kind of been the way I've looked at it is not doing a shotgun is like, Hey, everybody not plugging it in every uh, uh, Scott group in the world. There's another DJ. That's what he does. You know, it's like, and he's been around doing his show for 30 years. Unfortunately, his growth, he was, you know, I'm looking at him, he, he was the, uh, numbers wise, he's like 10 or 12,000 and I'm at, you know, a couple hundred and like, oh, that's, that's a goal right there. That's what I want to get. I want to get to his, 
within a year, I passed him. Then I tripled him by the next year. And I'm just like, how is, you know, he, he's done this 30. And I actually told him, hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, these are the things that are working for me. Oh, I got it. I got it. No, no, I'm sorry, guy. You know, it's like you can't just be in them commercials saying, watch, you know, listen to my show. You have to give those people a, a reason to come and know who you are and, and interact with you. And then they'll listen to your show. I think that's important with anything. It's that interacting not just with the bands for me, you know, as a DJ or as a promoter, it's interacting with the bands, but also the fans mm -hmm. and building that up. And, you know, I'll go through before I go to bed or when I wake up, I'll pick my phone and just go, oh, you know, somebody share, and I'll just like the shares that people have done. And my thumb gets tired and, you know, uh, but it's like, hey, you know, I, I know that when, especially when I was younger, as you said, you know, you get that shout out or you get that acknowledgement. I still think it's neat when a band that I listened to back in the 80s or 90s shares something. The post I did about Roland Alfonso got shared by his old band, the Scottalites. I'm like, all right, you know, and that's happened a few times. Uh, Dave Wakeling from the English Beat, who were you know, still pretty big now, but we're huge in the 80s. Well, I was on a brand new station in France and they shared, you know, hey, we're going to be on this station in France and Spain, blah, 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 check it out. And the guy shows me a thing and it's like, hey, here's the numbers. And then my show's over and he goes, you know, so pretty much once that song was over, it started dropping some, but it was still higher at the end. And they were like, oh, that was great. I'm like, I can't promise that's going to be always, but, you know, <laughs> they have, you know, quarter million followers or you know 300 some thousand followers they did a shout out that the show it was going to be on the show so you know you got that bump that i think is is one of those things where big or small whoever you are if you respond you know so it's like the band's responding to when i post that is it they see that bump if you don't you're not going to see it and i'm not going to see it so it's that acknowledgement that hey thanks for playing the show and you know check out the show well, thanks for being on here. And then, hey, check us out on this station or check us out on this show. And then it kind of goes back and forth. The new show uh, for Blackpool, I've seen their promo guy in the station. They've been sharing that I'm on there, you know, so they're promoting that I'm on there. And so, I'm, of course, I'm doing the same. Now, I will tell you, they are doing six times as much, you know, hey, we got a new show on here. And I understand part of it is, as I said, they have, you know, you know, 500, 600 followers on social media and I have so they're like trying to capitalize on that I'm more than fine for that but like I said if 10% of their followers their followers come back I'm going to be happy because that gives me give me especially if they're fans of the music and interact you know that was that was kind of my thing on the post the other day was not just as a 64,000 followers there's the reach and the interaction and without their interaction and it doesn't matter, you know, like who cares? You know, you got the greatest food in the world at a restaurant. If people don't come in and buy it and eat it and enjoy it. Mm. It doesn't matter how good of a cook you are. If you're cooking for yourself <laughs> uh, as a band, it's like I, I've said it many times, the greatest artist, the greatest musician, the greatest poet will never be known. It's some kid sitting in his room in Bangladesh or in, you know, uh, the middle of the Andes or somewhere. It's like, that just that's all they do is they play and write songs or they write poetry or they write, you know, stories because that's what they're moved to do. But they don't have the outlet to get it out to the world. So. Yeah. And there's so many like that. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's, true. there's been a lot of missing talents out there that sadly never 
get to the the music scene right and and whatnot but i guess kind yeah, of going and, back any to any of the arts um, any of the arts not just yeah. music but yeah and it's like i've done it i'm sure you've done it where you you stumble across a band or a podcast or a show and you're like how did i miss this i had somebody who had posted something was like i'm obsessed with this i i can't you know i'm six seasons in i can't believe and there's still four more i can't believe i missed this show so it was like there are those things where you're you're out doing other things and something pops up or it's a show, you know, how many times do you find the show that now is on Netflix that has been around for a decade in the UK or in Korea or somewhere else. And now there's that, what? And now it's new to us. Same thing, you know, going elsewhere when it gets syndicated elsewhere around the world, it's like you stumble across it or that band that's like, how did I sleep on this band? How did I sleep on this artist? How did I sleep on this, this author? And you know, or podcasts. And I find podcasts sometimes like, this is, how long is this? And you, there's hundreds of episodes. Oh. And you're like, I don't even have, I, I can't not listen to it, but I don't have time to listen to all this. <laughs> so you, you know, you, you binge it for a, a day and then you put it up and then you go back. And once again, it's was a great thing about the pandemic. I was able to discover a lot of stuff that because of work and doing other things, I wasn't able to keep up on. Mm. So that's been, like I said, once again, another thing. And that's uh, the the good and bad of of internet rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's one of the 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 good sides. I definitely discovered a lot of shows yeah in twenty twenty as well, and that's the neat thing, right? About having streaming apps like Spotify, yeah. you could discover new music. You might be an indie artist, right? You could put your music up, try to do your own promotions. You know, you you play at like shows, right? That you might book. They could let everyone know hey, if you want to listen to more of our music. You can listen yeah. to it on Spotify now, right? Which, you know, helps them but, out a little bit. but A little yeah. bit, yeah. But the, the thing is, is there's those bands that, you know, they're from Ireland or from, you know, they're never going to come here because of mm. the, they're not at a level where it's affordable or accessible, but you can now enjoy it. And definitely with the, uh, you know, audio video on cell phones or video recorders, whatever, it's gotten so much better and so inexpensive. To, to not just be able to film it, but stream it live or stream it later, you know, add, add it up later, that you can see these live cuts that unless it was a professional film crew coming up to record, we didn't, you know, there's certain acts that we're not seeing in that music, mm -hmm. those live, that live footage, because it just wasn't accessible. Now, everybody's able to throw stuff up. And like I said, it sifts through a lot of, you know, terrible stuff sometimes but there are all those gems that when you find them it's just like it, it, it's it's magical yeah especially if you have a good video editor that a small band that didn't have a name could all of a sudden look like a rock star band that yeah. everyone wants to book right like it just there's that and, magic and many of them many of many bands have gotten to the point where you know they went from being an internet band a, a youtube artist to being international successes uh, Sarah Blackwood, she sang for a band called The Creep Shows. She had put out a solo album, was scheduled to play in Stockton. And uh, a week before she was supposed to be in Stockton, she sent me this video uh, of, of a project that she was doing with her boyfriend, husband now. And she goes, hey, could you share this? You know, I think it's really fun. And, you know, we want to get it out as far as possible. And I'm like, oh, this is, and it's, it's already gotten some some good play. So we know people like it, which which want to push it as much as possible so i'm like all right i share it the following monday it's at several million views 
Ooh. And I'm getting a message. Um, I'm going to ha- have to cancel my tour because we're getting hit up by Saturday Night Live. We're getting hit, hit up by Alan. We're getting hit up by Rolling Stones. And we don't know what's going to happen, but we know something's going to happen. So we need to keep things free so that we can go perform or, you know, be, you know, do interviews or whatever. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Walk Off the Earth. Okay. I think, yeah, they've heard of them. They, they're, they're first, they've done a lot of stuff, but they're, what broke them was their cover of Goiki's, uh, somebody that I used to know. Oh, the, yeah. The, the yeah. Five members of, of the, of Walk Off the Earth or, Five play, now walk five members, but at that time it was pretty much a solo oh. project. But it was him and his friends. They played it on one guitar. Oh. So he and her sang the 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 male and female leads. One of the other guys sang some of the the callback lines, and then there was a guy with a beard that did this little knocking thing on it on the guitar. But the five hands, you know, playing guitar, bass, leads on the guitar, and it was well put together. One cut, one one you know one thing. They weren't editing it, and it was really cool. And it just blew up, you know, it's, it's, I don't know how many millions of views now, but because of that, it was like, you know, I'm like, wait, so she ends up, her other band was fairly popular, but she had, you know, ended up quitting that band. They pretty much made walk off the earth, a full band. Those members were like, okay, we're all in a band now and uh, got signed and put out a record and toured the world. And that was all from just a goofy fun video. A cover of somebody else's music. Wow! Yeah, and you know, sometimes covers is is what does it, right? You first start. Yeah, sometimes, cover sometimes. And, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, to really make it, you got to have those originals. But mm-hmm. because it was an interesting take on I me, mean, they've done a bunch of other videos, or he had did a bunch of videos. He did one where it was multi takes of himself playing the different instruments. The uh, the the gentleman in the band, or you know what he called. Him. I mean, it was a, like I said for a long time, it was just him doing the videos green screen it or whatever and okay i'm going to play this part and then play this part and edit it all together and i'll play the entire song and it's me or he did one where his friends came in and each one of them played a different instrument he'd be playing the instrument and then that friend that came in that played a different played that instrument he'd throw the the bass to him and then he somebody would throw him a guitar and he'd start playing the guitar then he'd throw the guitar over and he'd start playing piano and then he'd walk from the piano and play the drums and the guy would come and play piano and you know when it was all said and done he's played all the parts and he's singing it, and then he ends up playing ukulele or whatever at the end. As as the rotation comes in to take take that next verse of the song to the next instrument, he'd be given another instrument. I'm like, very cool and unique. Yeah. Uh, and and that, but those they, many of those didn't you know didn't blow up. Like I said, that one just right time, right place, and for whatever reason, it exploded. And so yeah, good for them. And and that's without radio play or all this stuff and that's used to be the thing if you didn't have radio play or if you weren't on you know have something on a tv show or a movie soundtrack you weren't making it so there is harder to get in front of those people but when you do if that magic is there there is still those opportunities out of all the shows that you've booked which one would you consider to be the most uh, like memorable one iconic one the one that you always like talk about well and that's and that's uh you know i've told people there's there's Certain ones over the years that, you know, I did, did an event or we called it the 209 Family Reunion, and it was a bunch of punk bands that I booked over a decade period. Many of them hadn't played. One hadn't played in that lineup for 12 years. And there was a few bands that everybody said, oh, man, we, you know, this band, Better Edge, I can't believe they haven't played. If we get them to play, get them to play. And I talked to the different members, and they would always say, well, if Chip 
who was the the singer. If he was around, and you know, and we were all around, we'd do it. You know, we'd probably do it if he was down. And then I, he pulls in. I'm doing this hip hop show, and this Mercedes comes pulls into the parking lot. Our friend goes, "Hey, that's my buddy Bart." And I'm like, "That looks like like my buddy Chip." Same guy. He walks over. It is him. And I'm like, "Hey, what's up?" He goes, "Oh, I'm back in town. You know, I'm having my mom. You know, blah blah. You know, my dad passed away. You know, I'm, you know, all this stuff." And, and I go, "You know what?" Uh, would you ever be interested in doing a Betty Ray? He goes, oh, I'd love to, but I don't think the other guys would want to do it. But I call up Matt Wilhoyt, the guitarist, and I go, hey, Matt, it's on, on, on like Donkey Kong. He's like, what? He goes, I'm talking to Chip. He goes, he's in? He goes, man, I just I had lunch with Ian and and uh, little Eric, the drummer, and and they were both saying it'd be fun to do something, but nobody knew where Chip was. I go, well, he's back in, in, in Stockton for at least the next three to six months. Let's put something together. So they talked. They said, "Okay, we're doing it." Then I called this band outright, who was from Modesto, who were on AF Records and toured with Anti Flag and and Good Riddance and did pretty well for themselves. Did some dates on uh, Warp Tour, what whatnot. And I said, "Hey guys," and they're like, "I don't know." Well, you know, I think it was their basis. He he just finished law school and he has the the needs to take the bar and study for that and this and that and you know all these th- reasons why I have to do it. And I go, "Well, Betty Rage is doing it." I'm like, oh. Let us get back to you. And that was pretty much the thing. It was like, Betty races. Like, oh, so I got 10 bands. We had like 500 people show up, maybe more. It was, it was just a, a beautiful show. And it was all local bands. And so that was kind of the thing with that. There was another one, though, that uh, it was a woman. She goes by Radical Classical. And she's a classical guitarist. But she's like, you watch her. I mean, it's like a lot of metal guitarists especially post Randy Rhodes study classical guitar. And so to have this person playing a, a classical acoustic, but just shredding it. And she's a multi Grammy nominated performer. We didn't have a huge crowds for, her, but it was amazing to see the interaction of the kids seeing something they were, wouldn't be uh, normally accustomed to. So the, you know that was another one. I mean, there's been other ones where it's like you know, hey, two days, three. Uh, I had one show where it was, literally I think it was six days from getting the call to putting the show on, and we had 350 people show up for it. So those kind of things are kind of nice when those happen. But you know, other sides is you know I've booked you know bands that I grew up listening to. You know, so and later in life being able to look like Fishbone or The English Beat or Bad Manners. It, that's kind of a you know that that uh honor that you get to go wow you know it's like not not just are are you going to see these bands you're actually now putting them on and hosting them and treating them to you know a good time and exposing them to an, an audience of the town that you're living in wow but you know awesome. like i said the other side is uh you know a skylight drive who got pretty big i don't know if you remember that band kind of a screamo band from lodi their very first show i gave them oh okay so that's kind of a neat thing to be able to go have acts that go on to make it big, mm. be there at the very beginning. And, you know, many of those players also went on to say, hey, we're doing this because not just that they were able to play shows because I was providing the opportunity, but because they saw shows. They saw these musicians come through. They got to 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 see bands that they idolize come through town. And especially when they come through and you could put them on that show with them. Mm. So now you're, you know, you're setting up a, a youth band with a band that they look up to and they get to play with and interact with. And, uh, you know, now they're they're got, you know, kind of peers, you know, that's 
really big. You know, it's important to give those opportunities so that they can go, wow, we actually might be able to do this. And unfortunately, most of them aren't able to, you know, because of dynamics, either they, you know, get married and they have kids and, you know, so that they have to do other things to uh, support their family or their, you know, pay for their rent or anything, but at least give them that opportunity while they're younger or, you know, or give the opportunity of, Hey, this is a hobby for them. They don't plan on becoming huge, but they still want to go out and play and entertain because they have that love of music in them. Yeah, no, that's really good. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, right? About the importance of like bringing more musical acts to town. So newer generations can still have that music, right? Because I mean, that's an example right there, right? They're, they're right there starting their band because they grew up watching those bands locally versus, yes. oh, here's here's a Spotify, I listen to your music on there. It's not the same, right? When you get to experience live music and even interact maybe, with the bands that are coming by. And when you see a band that, you know, regardless of how big, but goes out on tours and comes back and you go, wow, they did that, we could do this. You know, a band mm-hmm. puts out a CD and, you know, they're able to pick it up and go, wow, you know, or a record. You know, record release shows and all those kind of things where the the bar is is not so high anymore that you know as a young band a young musician you go oh i could do that you know i can get my car and, and you know go out on the road for 10 days and come back you know and as as long as you plan it proper you know it's accessible uh the other side is uh like i said bringing bringing those accents so they can play with it but in the in the area there have been a fair amount of acts that have gotten fairly large. There's Randaddy from Modesto. There was Pavement from Stockton. Chris Isaac was from Stockton. Roddy Jackson from Merced, who unfortunately recently passed away back in the late 50s and early 60s, through the 60s. Uh, he went by the, I believe, the uh, Comic Fireball or something like that. But he actually, one of the songs that he co-wrote has been had been covered by Paul McCartney, by... The Rolling Stones, by the Animals, you know, huge bands, and you know that's one of the one of the things that with the Mama Radio was playing things like that. To say, here's this band playing this, and here's this artist covering it. You know, so you may not have heard of Roddy Jackson, but you know who Paul McCartney of the Beatles is. Yeah. He covered one of his, and you know who the Rolling Stones are. They covered one of his songs. So there's that kind of thing where it's like, uh, there's a uh, Hazel Hauser. She was a local songwriter here. And three of her songs have been covered by close to a hundred well-known artists, you know, Elvis Costello, Loretta Lynn, Willie Nelson, you know, and, and the names go on and on and on. And it's kind of amazing. Once again, here was this housewife who wrote songs, who got a publishing deal, you know, years ago. And some of her songs are, you know, standards in country and gospel. Like if you were into that, you know, these songs, you've heard them and, Many of them have crossed over into rock and folk and other stuff because these artists who've covered her then are being covered, but it's her song. And that, I think, is one of those things. Like I said, it's like she was just some woman. Nobody knows. You know, she wasn't out there performing these songs, really. There's a few out records that she did stuff with. There was a Maddox Brothers and Rose who were both also from Modesto, started out in 1938. And they inspired Elvis Presley. They've inspired a lot of people. You know, with the, they were, you know, the uh, the world's most colorful hillbilly band. Basses did the big slap bass thing. And that, you know, some of the earliest recordings of that are his. And so that influenced the rockabilly and rock and roll. And so it's kind of an interesting 
those little points where you go, wow, that was right here, or that was in our backyard. These these acts have become huge. You know, uh, some of them are better known around the world, and they may even be here in Modesto, but they're known. And whenever that happens, I would say, you know, when the light is sh shine, they may be brightest in the middle, but everybody else gets a little illumination. So whenever, you know, hey, Jeremy Renner, Oliphant, the guy who played Spike, I'm like, I know his name right now. Um, but, you know, these actors who've gone on from Modesto, it's like every time, you know, George Lucas, you know, anytime somebody from Modesto or any town, it doesn't matter what town it is, becomes huge. There was that thought, well, what's in the water there? Why is this band, you know, why, why is this guy so great or what else is out there? And so, you know, people start kind of looking at other things. So it's important to highlight all of them and give them that credit so that hopefully somebody else will go, oh, well, you know, like Seattle. You know, when Nirvana and Pearl Jam exploded, there were hundreds of bands that got signed, and some of them did pretty well for them. Soundgarden, you know, Temple of the Dog, whatnot. But there were so many other ones that got a demo deal, nothing happened, or put a record out, and it didn't really make it, but they were heard. Mm -hmm. And same with San Francisco when, you know, Primus and those few bands over there got big, you know, boom. You know, when Punk, when Green Day got big in punk, it's like everybody wanted a punk band on the label. Act of Ska, you know, you had a band like, you know, the Boston's are no doubt explode, sublime, you know, get a national and international attention. And then everybody wanted a Ska band on their label. And that illuminated and all the, all the bands that had been touring and doing stuff all came up a little bit. Not all of them got signed. Not all of them, you know, made millions of dollars, but they all did better because the people knew what Ska was and clubs were like, oh, well, this band did real well. So I bet people come out to see this band, you know, and it's easy to then go, not go, well, Scott is, and do this big explanation of what the style is. People already knew what it was, you know, so they're like, oh, okay. Or what punk is or what funk is or whatever it is, you know, grunge. You didn't need to explain grunge. You're like, oh, you know, Nirvana, you know, Pearl Jam. Yeah, that's grunge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all so it takes is about, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that band out to break, you know, um, and same thing, you know, with like the Latin music when it broke in America with like, you know, uh, uh, Ricky Martin and Shakira, mm -hmm. you know, some of those acts that exploded. And the next thing you know, I mean, before that, of course, Miami Sound Machine, but more mm -hmm. Cuban. But, you know, you get some of these bands that explode. And the next thing you know, you start picking up all these other acts that are in a similar vein. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that highlight there. It's always the, the flavor of the month. But you go from there to the next one to the next one. and you know, you hope for the best for those people that it really means a lot to. Yeah. And then there's a boom of the genre and then it's, yes. it's, it's a whole. Then whole it pops and, and, and <laughs> most of them don't go away. They're still out there. Uh, so like, you know, some people go, Ooh, Scott, you know, Scott is, is back. It's like, it never went away. It's been around since, <laughs> you know, the, like I said, the late fifties, uh, much like rockably has been around since, you know, the mid, mid, mid fifties, early fifties that still has been around but it's ebb and flows. So, you know, hey, you get this act that gets really big and then, you know, it goes away. And then a decade or two later, somebody else is doing it and they get big. And then some of the originators get some some love because they go, oh, hey, you know, this was, you, you like this? Well, check this guy out. He's one of the guys who did it first. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was brought to my attention that uh, 2023, this year, 50 years of hip hop. Wow. 50 years of hip hop. 
I'm like, you know, and it's like, well, well, I guess it is, you know, it's like 1973, you know, uh, was the first beats were being laid down in Brook in the Bronx. So, you know, then, you know, by the late, late seventies, you had Rapper's Delight, Sugar Hill Gang. And then a year later, you have Blondie with Rapture, you know, having a number one hit. But then it's another decade before, you know, there's a full on rap song, but then it's Vanilla Ice. But, you know, okay, a few years later, you have Criss Cross having another one on PM Dawn. It had a, you know, first black duo to, to have a number one rap hit was PM Dawn. And then a few years, uh, a couple years later, Criss Cross had a number one and actually it was on for more than a week. And that was Criss Cross. And I think Sir Mix a lot. And then next thing you know, it's just like the, the deluge where now hip hop is pop music. Mm-hmm. You know, you it's it's everywhere. It's in soundtracks. It's on movies. It's in TV shows. It's you know playing on commercials, and that's the thing with certain music where it's out there. But you know, think about it. It's been fifty years. Yeah. So it took a while. It was, I think, fifteen almost twenty years before they had a rap category in in Billboard. So there wasn't. It wasn't until like nineteen eighty nine, like seventy three is the first hip hip hop. You know, the the birth of hip hop, nineteen eighty nine is the first rap charts in Billboard magazine. So being acknowledged, you know, it's, it mm. took decades. So, mm. you know, it was all out there. It was everything. And it was, like I said, it had been popping up in, in the pop charts. They just hadn't acknowledged it in its own charts. Well, one last thing with that, before I let you go, I want to know more about the events going on, both here in town and just in general in the 209. Uh, we all know when May the 4th will be. Yes. And uh, this year, uh, this year with May the 4th, what I'm, I'm kind of doing, is I'm getting some vendors to come out. Uh, I already confirmed Alan Fernandez, who, who was one of the original three Tuscan Raiders from the original, you know, Star Wars movie. Oh, okay. uh, I'm trying to get a Jawa to come down, uh, and also trying to get the uh, voice actor who did Salacious B. Crumb. He was at oh. Graffiti Con last year. Alan is, was two years ago. Tim was supposed to come down. He was one of the Jawas. He lives in Tim Donaldson in Sacramento now. But, you know, it's a, a very interesting story where they took, I think, 12 kids from Death Valley, dressed them up as Jawas because the tapes had gotten ruined, took them out to the desert and refilmed some of the stuff. So there's these they're called the Death Valley Jawas. And, you know, the, I, it was like eight or 12, you know, and it was all based on how tall they were. Oh, okay. Of course, they were they were, you know, short people from, you know, when they were filming in Africa you know, Aboriginals or whatever, pygmies, or I'm not sure exactly, you know, what it was, but it was much shorter adults playing the parts. So they had the measurement, they had the costumes. So pretty much they went to the school, measured all the kids, got their parents to sign off, and then went out and filmed this. And one of them is Tim Donaldson, who lives in Sacramento. And he's kind of gotten, you know, a little bit of celebrity back, you know, because there's for the normal person or the normal event, you're not getting Harrison Ford. You're not getting Mark Hamill. You know, mm-hmm. you're not getting, uh, you know, here, uh, you know, some of the huge ones. And of course, David Prowse has passed away. You know, so many of those, you know, uh, you know, some of them living out of the country. So it's like to be able to get actors who were in it at a reasonable price. It are it is some of these costume actors, and it's kind of neat though that. For Northern California, there's about a half dozen of them that live up here. There's two Jawas. There's one of the Tuscan Raiders, uh, uh, Andrew C. Andrew Nelson, who spent 12 years in the Darth Vader suit. He's from the Bay Area. He worked for ILMM, and he's just a big, tall guy, and he fit the suit. So when they did the 
remastered versions, the the updated versions a couple decades ago, all that additional footage is him walking around in it. He put the suit on and then all the, oh. the promo stuff that went out. And uh, he's also did the commercials uh, at that time or the, the went on different shows. He was a guy in the suit for 12 years. So it's kind of neat to have some of them here. He's actually going to be out of the state, maybe out of the country. Andrew is, but he's come down for many of my events. So like I said, Alan's going to be there for sure. So that'll be fun. So I'm going to kind of combine graffiti con this year and then probably next year bring it back, you know, as a separate event. You know, so I'm, you know, uh, I want to continue doing it at, at the graffiti museum. So I like the concept of being graffiti con of using their space, but they're currently adding the, you know, they haven't got to the HVAC yet, but they're currently adding in the uh, fire suppression and different things to upgrade it. They've done this metal reinforcement for uh, earthquake reinforcement. So all these things are kind of going on being put in. So it's kind of a, a phase. So I don't know if this year it would be ready in time to do it. So I'm thinking we'll just plan on next year for its own event, but kind of combine it with graffiti con this or graffiti con on May the 4th. So okay. I'll have some vendors out there, have some celebrities and I'll, you know, elevate May the 4th a bit and maybe still continue doing that with the vendors and, and, and actors along with graffiti con. So kind of in the, in the flux, but, uh, and then, you know, uh, Music in the Plaza will be back in beginning of May as well. And that will be the second through last Friday of every month. There will be music out in 10th Street Plaza. Mamas will be back in October, continuing to do the rate both radio shows. And if anybody wants to, like with the Ska show, it's at This Is Ska Radio on social media. You can email beathappybooking at gmail.com if you have music for either of the shows or if you want to book something or want to be part of something. Of course, some Modesto View comes out i'm the managing editor of that we didn't talk about that much but it's our local entertainment paper and that's just packed with you know four pages of small print calendar stuff in the back so from local events local music open mics all that stuff you can check that out and you know and then lots of permanent stories about things going on in modesto uh we were talking about things kind of coming back and i'll plug this last i don't know when this has come on but the weekend of the 20th 21st and 22nd there's four pretty decent sized events going on in Modesto. Uh, French Cassettes and Travis Vick are playing on the 20th at the Century. Uh, there's a David Boy tribute uh, playing at the State. Reverend Horton Heat on the Saturday. Reverend Horton Heat is at Rancho Fresco on Sunday with their suffragettes and a local band called the Outlaw. Uh, Tiffany Rose and the Outlaw Hearts will have a brand new CD out. And then on Saturday as well, the Bluesbach Bayou Band, who brand new CDs and Big Earl and the Crying Shame are playing over at Congregation Best Shalom. Mm. And that's a kickoff for their series of, I think, six shows this year. So it's like, there's a lot going on. Uh, like I said, I volunteer at the museum as well. And that hopefully will be back and ready for people to come out and check things out again by, by summertime. Graffiti will be here in the summer, you know, second weekend in June, I think, for the cruise and the car show. So if you're, you know, car, car lovers, wherever, and we get them from all over the world, coming in to Modesto, many of them bringing their cars to Modesto. There's been cars that have been shipped over from Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Germany. So it's kind of neat that, you know, the uh, not just the festival, but the history of the movie American Graffiti, which celebrates 50 years this year. Mm, wow. So 
it was released in 1973, so it'll be 50 years for the American Graffiti this year. And I'm actually trying to get a screening. They always do a screening that first week of June, but I'm trying to get a screening in the week of Thanksgiving because the original screening in Modesto, which George Lucas was at with his family, was in November uh, for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving. They did a screening at Rigsmore. So, oh. you know, I think that'd kind of be neat to to screen the movie 50 years after it screen, originally screened in Modesto. Yeah, that would be a, a nice tribute to it. And, and 50 years, wow, that's yeah, that, that's quite quite the mark. And uh, I'm sure they're going to do big things with uh, all the events, right, to celebrate, like you said, with the graffiti and whatnot. But yeah, uh, that's that's really awesome. I'm really glad to hear that there's so many things going on here. And, you know, the power of the internet, right, to be able to promote all these different events is here. Another good thing, I think, about being able to to have that. And I'm going to try and um, hopefully attend May the 4th this year so I could go check it out and, and see, see what's going on. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah. fun. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, May the 4th. Now, like I said, there, there are the local theaters, like the Prospect Theater, uh, State Theater, Gallo Theater. You know, there's Michelin Arts. There's a lot of opportunities for people to go check things out uh, in different fashions, too. It's just a matter of going out and doing it. Yeah, it's just a matter of that. And, uh, you know, hopefully... You know, we, we continue to uh, get more people, especially the people who are coming out of town. I mean, it's really awesome to see sure. people coming over here and being able to enjoy things like, yeah, the Graffiti Con, you know, being able to ship their cars. I mean, I wasn't even aware that people were shipping cars internationally, but that's, yeah. that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, the first year of Graffiti Con, one of the cars that were part of our car show had come over for the American Graffiti Car Festival, but being in June and, you know, a, few, a couple weeks after, uh, they were just doing a ton of car shows in California. They were from Australia. Wow. So, <laughs> and then I think the last, last year, I think the furthest one came from Japan. So it's like, it's kind of amazing that the the movie, you know, I mean, Star Wars, we know, reached everybody. But, you know, when you think about American Graffiti, that was his first blockbuster. Look, mm-hmm. Lucas' first blockbuster. It, you know, not just, hey, it was based loosely on Modesto. It was based on his high school experience. Mm-hmm. And it's Modesto, California. It's not, hey, you know, this was, you know, we're going to call it, you know, some other town, even though it's based on Modesto. It was this, a night in Modesto. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the tag. It's a night in Modesto. Where were you in 62? A night in Modesto. And they're cruising 10th Street. They're cruising 11th Street. They're, they're out there. They're out dragging out, you know, you know, they're going to Burgess Drive-In, which was here in Modesto. Mm -hmm. All that was Modesto. Yeah. No, it's really awesome to be able to see Modesto portrayed in in that manner and you know i'm really glad that it's it still lives on you know people are still watching the movie and yes you know remembering it too so it's it's good you guys are still putting that together so new generations can know more about it and and you keep and that's the other side yeah, like you you have to give that next generation the opportunity mm-hmm. to see and learn and be part of it or you lose that that's yeah. regardless of what it is you know if you didn't have uh uh, you know, music in the school is important. Uh, you know, youth sports are very important. If you didn't, you know, I mean, honestly, if you didn't have youth sports, you know, have, you know, you wouldn't have major league sports because nobody's just going out and, 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 you know, batting and throwing and doing all those things or football, if they didn't condition themselves from a younger age going through. And so it's like, that's another one. So all, all these things where it's, if you don't start the passion, regardless of what their passion is, at a young age and cultivate it and develop it. They just don't have it. You know, you're not, you're not going to just pick up a golf club and, and, you know, go out and, and do the circuit 
you have to practice at a you know reasonable age to do that tennis any of that oh yeah so, it requires time cool well thank you so much Mida, for being on thank it's you it's been really uh, great hearing everything and like i said gonna do my best to be at the events maybe do some live streams through the instagram page Fantastic. on youtube and you know be able to share that so we get even more people from everywhere Excellent. just coming down and, and seeing how awesome it is to to check them out all right well thanks for having me on here and uh, if you need anything else just let me know awesome thank you all right thank you Once again, thank you so much to Mida for being on the show tonight. It's always really awesome to be able to hear about different things going on here in town. And the music scene is a really big one here in the 209. And y'all just heard all the different talented musical performances that we've had here and different songwriters that have written songs for people that everyone knows worldwide. I mean, to think that you know, we have all that talent here is really awesome. And I can only imagine that the more venues we have out there and all the different places in the 209, uh, the more musical talents, you know, will be discovered and will continue to put the 209 in the map, not just in the country, but worldwide as well. And also check out Midas Station 95.5. And check out his show, uh, This Is Ska. I mean, it, it's just so amazing how he's been able to share that show with so many different stations worldwide and all the support that he's gotten on that. I mean, to to get to that many followers and have that much interaction in basically a little less than three years is, I think, quite an achievement and definitely one that uh, will be remembered. And as usual, if you have anyone who you think would like to be on the 209 journey, Please feel free to send me a message on the social media for the podcast. You can find them at The 209 Journey on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is just simply found by searching for The 209 Journey on YouTube. I've actually started to upload the episodes of the podcast. So if you want to refer the podcast to a friend and maybe they don't have an app to listen to it to, no problem. Everyone has YouTube, so you can go ahead and listen to the show on there. And I do have more plans. I'm going to be posting some videos on there about different things in the 209. So if you hit the subscribe button, you'll be able to find out when any videos are posted. And with that being said, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the show tonight. And you'll hear me next week here on the 209 Journey Podcast.